Isn't it odd that if you plant a tree, you will get a seed, and if you plant a seed, you will get a tree? Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark, and this episode was written by Joe Horn. There are those foods we tend to eat immediately, and there are those we tend to store for leaner times. In their raw forms, greens like lettuces, dandelions, and such generally fall into the category of eat now. Grains, pulses, and tubers, think beans, oats, wheat, and potatoes, store exceedingly well in their raw forms if kept in the appropriate conditions. Wildlife seem to make these exact choices as well. Blueberries and raspberries seem to be gobbled up as soon as they are ripe, and often before they're completely ripe. Meanwhile, other wildlife foods like thistle seeds, acorns, and tree buds have a much longer shelf life and tend to be relied on when winters linger a tad too long and food gets a tad too scarce. One of these foods, which continues to linger on despite the tree having dropped all its leaves, is the vermilion red fruit of the mountain ash. Mountain ash, as a name, is a bit deceiving. While this tree can, in fact, be quite at home on mountaintops, it seems equally at home in lowlands on the edges of fields and ringing bogs and other areas with ample sunlight. Similarly, the name ash might conjure a group of mighty forest trees known for making baskets, superb firewood, bows, and tool handles. But alas, mountain ash is not a cousin to those trees that are in the olive family. Instead, mountain ash is in the rose family, along with pears, apples, and cherries. Perhaps it is their pinnately compound leaves, that is, those which arrange leaflets around a central stem, or rachis, in a feather-shaped pattern which lend a superficial impression of the true ashes. The mountain ash is a large shrub or small tree that tends to sprawl somewhat in an effort to reach the sun. The crown of the tree is quite open and even sometimes becomes rather sparse as the tree grows old. In the summer, their clumps of flowers give way to berries, which turn from a bright orange to a deep, vibrant red as they ripen. It is these berries which provide much-needed sustenance to our resident winter wildlife. Let me take a pause right here. I have read over and over again in various texts that there are certain foods, especially certain berries, which are unpalatable for wildlife, so they will save them until all other food becomes unavailable. I've heard these foods dubbed starvation foods, indicating that animals will only eat these foods if they are starving. I am not convinced that is always the case. Take, for instance, my example earlier about greens compared to grains and tubers. I know that some folks would prefer a heap of buttered steamed potatoes rather than a salad, but that is not a universal truth about our species. And yet greens do seem almost a universally recognized food to eat when in season, and potatoes as ones that you can put up for later. Perhaps this is true for birds' berry eating schedule as well. We may never know. Mountain ash berries certainly fall into the category of foods that birds will eat later, but not as late, perhaps, as others like highbush cranberries or winterberries. Birds will often put off eating these later berries until mid or late winter, whereas mountain ash berries will generally get gobbled up at some point in the late fall or early winter. Fruit-eating birds, especially cedar waxwings, will make quick work of a tree when they do decide it is time to eat those bright red berries, often stripping them over the course of a few days. So in between meals in which you crack into those foods you might have put up for later, like those lovely winter squashes, you can head outside in search of the vibrant berries of the mountain ash before the birds get to them. 
November in the North can have such a somber color palette with its browns, grays, and the like. I find it helpful and restorative to seek out the brighter splashes of colors at these times as we slip ever closer to the darkest day of the year. You can download this episode and find a link to our blog with the transcript, photos, information about podcasting, and more by visiting archives.weru.org. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phonology. (laughs) 